Leslie, and I am the host of the Why Not Today podcast. This is a podcast to celebrate people who have been courageous and said, why not today? I started the podcast in honor of my father, Patrick Kane, who often said, why not today? I'm based in Reston, Virginia, planned community right outside of D.C., and thanks for joining us today. And I am excited. This is the second episode in our second season, so it's been over a year, which is a milestone and really fun. And I love meeting new people and their stories. And today I have Christian Quisenberry. Did I say that right? Quisenberry. <laughs> Quisenberry, okay, as my guest. And I always like to talk about, you know, you never know who you're going to meet and how you're going to connect with someone. So Christian, I was introduced to first down at Smith Mount Lake. Um, a friend of mine is knows somebody that is a musician and he played on his dock and we went years ago and then during COVID again and Christian was playing kind of got to know you there, Christian, and then reached out to you about playing music locally here in Northern Virginia, but then it just kind of followed you. You had a song come out, heard it, and I love your story and your courage and what you've had to overcome in your life. And so I'm excited to have you share your story and um, share with listeners kind of what you've been able to do with your life. So um, why don't you introduce yourself? Um, I don't know you that well, except for seeing you on stage. You're an amazing musician. <laughs> It's funny. You. it's funny when you see me on stage and then when you see me off stage, it's like, is that really the same guy? <laughs> <laughs> I kind of lose myself on stage a little bit, but hi, I, I'm Christian Quisenberry. Um, I'm 26 years old. Um, I was actually born in uh, Sacramento, California. Um, when I was two years old, I was adopted and moved out here to Huddleston, Virginia, um, Smith Mountain Lake area. That's where I was raised. That's where I what a difference. California. Right. Right. West Coast to East Coast, right? Yeah, small town Virginia. <laughs> yeah, I'm still a hippie though. <laughs> but um, anyway, so yeah, it's it was. I grew up on a farm um, with my two sisters, my dad, my mom. I didn't really have the the best um, the best childhood. I mean, I I had an awesome childhood. Don't get me wrong, but um, it's kind of weird. I went from a uh, kind of an abusive situation with my biological parents and to now I'm 26 and I kind of have realized that, you know, maybe my um, adoptive situation wasn't as good as it could have been either, you know? So I haven't really came from a lot of good situations. Um, my, my dad was an alcoholic growing up my whole life. Um, and I think that's where a lot of my alcohol addiction and uh, drug addiction, drug abuse came from, um, was seeing that. And uh, my mom was kind of an enabler for that. She didn't really approve of it hearsay, um, but she didn't really do anything to prevent it, you know. Um, so it wasn't really a, 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 an easy childhood. There are good times. We had good times and there are bad times, but that's everybody, you know, everybody's sure. life. Um, What's a fun fact about Christian? Oh, fun fact about me. Let's see. Uh, this is the first time I've ever had long hair. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, this is the longest my hair has ever been. I've okay. always had short hair because my dad made me keep it short growing up. And I told myself when COVID hit, I was like, you know what? I'm going to grow my hair out. I'm going to do what I want to do. <laughs> well, that's really cool. I just thought it was part of the musician look of you. <laughs> no, it's funny. I actually just, it's, it's my COVID hair. And I decided okay. to not cut it because it's funny because people actually have now said to me like Christian you can't cut it it's 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 your rock star look you can't you can't cut it it is that's and the only I'm like, way well, I'll, keep it. I'll keep it if you know give the people what they want you know exactly and is it kind of a rebellion against your dad <laughs> a little bit yeah like come on dude I, I do what I want now 
exactly. Well, um, so I love your story, and I'm excited to, for you to share it with um, everybody listening. But before we start, what does courage mean to you? Courage to me means just being upfront and uh, uh, standing up for what you personally believe in, whatever it may be. Um, it can be anything, whatever your religious base is, your political base, or just how you view life. Courage is standing up what you personally believe in and not letting other people dictate uh, who you are and who you should be. Love that. Yeah, totally agree. It's interesting with um, all the episodes, everybody's got a different twist on what courage is. My brother, who I interviewed last week or the last episode, actually looked it up in the dictionary. He first person knew that, but... <laughs> It sounds like you've had a courageous life from moving from West Coast to the East Coast, from California, which is a whole different world than Virginia. Right. I'm in both places um, and being adopted and abuse and alcoholism. So it sounds like you've had a very courageous life from the get go. So. And then I know just recently on a journey of becoming sober yourself in your music, that definitely takes courage. So why don't you share with us, you know, what things you think you've done are courageous and to give other people hope and share a little bit of your journey and the things you've had to do that are courageous. And you probably have to keep doing it. And I was thinking about you yesterday because um, for those watching or listening, uh, it took us a couple of times to get this done. And you had major cell phone issues and internet issues. You admitted oh, yeah. you almost threw the phone out the window, which I can yeah. feel your pain. But, you know, and on a sober journey, you know, that is one of those things. It was probably maybe a little challenging. Drive me to drinking, girl. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> uh, so, all right. Uh, share some stories. So, yeah. So, I guess um, for me, the first the biggest thing is that this is all I do for a living. Um, a lot of people tell me, you know, that's, that's a big step in of itself. Uh, you know, music, it's, it's crazy how, how our society won't, and they just refuse to view what I do as an actual profession, like a real job, a real, a real career, it, even on the level that I am, you know, I'm still pretty local, uh, a little regional as far as the artists that I am right now. I'm not international or, you know, worldwide by any means, but, you know, it's crazy to think that someone can look at me and be like, oh, get a real job. Like yeah. I jumped off the deep end from, I worked the nine to fives, man. I did, I did kitchen jobs. I did CNA work. I worked in the medical field. I, I did, I was a painter for a little while. You know, I did the nine to five and I just couldn't find what suited me. So, you know, a little under two years ago, I'm actually coming up on my, my gigiversary as well. Like what I call it. Mm -hmm. um, March 25th was the first show that I ever played um, out into central Virginia music scene. My first ever solo show. Oh, wow. And that was at the clubhouse bar and billiards in Lynchburg. And yeah. that for me was like a huge, just step of courage because it was me saying like, look, I'm going to do this. I'm going to, I'm not, I'm gonna, not going to listen to what society is telling me. And I'm just going to jump off the deep end with this and see what happens. You know, it hasn't always, hasn't always been easy. There are, there are still financial struggles and stuff like that, but I don't let that sway me from just keeping my nose on the grindstone and well, just keep working at this. That's kind of one of the stories I share when I, like when I started this is I 
started a Mary Kay part-time side hustle thing 28 years ago and left my corporate job 20, almost 23 and a half years ago. And people thought I was crazy. Like right. you're leaving corporate and still to this day I get, are you still doing that Mary Kay thing? I'm like, well, are you still an attorney or are you still a whatever? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. And it's given me an amazing life. And yeah, it's not, not always easy. I can tell you 23 years later, it is much better and it gets much easier, but there's some days that I'm like, oh, do I really want to do this? When right. you think of the nine to five grind and the, the, all the, back end stuff that happens with it and is so worth it. So keep it going. Is. I applaud you for doing that right. because it is a big leap of faith, <clears throat> but you just got to do it and you got to stand your ground. Like this is what I'm doing. Right. And in the midst of all that struggling with the sobriety thing, you know, I, I don't, I don't struggle as much with it now. Now it's just kind of like, I don't know, second nature um, just to, to not drink. I don't know. It's just happens, you know? Um, and, but a lot of people, especially when I'm playing in a bar, um, a restaurant, a lot of people will come up to me and be like, how, how do you even, you know, stand up here and tell people that you're sober when you're standing in a bar, people are all around you drinking and, and you're just up here. And I, I, I tell them like, look, man, I just, I don't know. I let the music take me. I, I, I put my focus and my heart into my music and, and into my family and, that is what drives me to to stay off that bottle and to keep you know stay out of the out of the the, the bad stuff you know it, it's 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 not <laughs> easy but it's not hard at the same time because i've disciplined myself to know right. like this is what i should and should not do it's not good for me what is good for someone else or what is you know okay for someone else is not okay for me and right. i've reconciled with that you know so I can walk into a bar and I can sit at the bar and I'll order myself, you know, a virgin tequila sunrise. And you have no idea the funny looks I get from, no, I bet. from a bartender when they're like, do you want a, a virgin tequila sunrise? So you want pineapple juice and grenadine. And I was like, yeah, yeah, that's what I want. It just makes me feel like I'm doing something, you know? Right. <laughs> so let's talk about your journey to becoming sober, the courage it took you to do that. Was it like, just one day did something happen did you like i'm just done with it or was it a journey yeah so me it, it actually been a, a problem for a while i i started drinking heavily after high school i actually took my first drink when i was 14. um i remember and now that i'm 26 i'm like really done a lot of soul searching over the last year and uh, a lot of dipping into my childhood and figuring out who i was and everything and I think the reason that I, I picked up the drink in the first place was just to finally get this feeling of uh, acceptance from my dad. You know, I had spent my whole life, you know, going from a biological family to now an adoptive family. And I just wanted acceptance from somebody, you know, so I thought maybe, you know, drinking with him would be that. Um, turns out it wasn't. It actually just stemmed a whole slew of alcohol alcoholism for me in my life and after high school i started drinking a lot partying a lot i was doing different drugs and popping pills and different stuff like that were you in um, the music were you performing then or no i wasn't actually no. i i was so, so throughout high school i was really involved in the arts department i did the musicals and i was really involved in choir that's why i learned all of my vocal all my vocal coaching and everything was in choir and i thought for sure i wanted to be a music teacher my senior year i took a internship with my choir teacher and i learned real quick that maybe this isn't for me <laughs> it's a little bit too complicated 
Um, and then uh, after high school, I was like, found like, what am I going to do with my life? So that's when I joined the medical field and did the CNA thing. And then I jumped to jumped around to kitchens and all in the midst of, you know, drinking and partying with all of my buddies and stuff, buddies of which that I don't have anymore because it was like, as soon as I quit drinking, they were like, well, we don't want to. Isn't that amazing how it is? And I wonder too, if the environment you lived in, I mean, you live at a resort area, a lake. I wonder if that contributed to a lot of people on vacation. I was actually, at the time, I was actually living homeless in my van. Um, okay. So I was, my parents had kicked me out. Um, this was uh, in 2017, 2018. And I was homeless living out behind Happy Coffee in Bedford. It was a little coffee shop. And um, I was actually working at Happy Coffee. They didn't know that I was living behind the shop in my van every wow. night. Every morning I'd get up and I'd run down to Bedford YMCA and uh, I'd take a shower real quick. I had a membership down there. I'd take a shower, brush my teeth, and I'd, then I'd you know go run down to Happy Coffee, open up the shop for the day. And they found out I was living in my van behind the shop and the owners actually offered me a room in their house to kind of oh, help wow. me get, get, get back up on my feet. And um, they were letting me work for them while, you know, pay them rent and everything. And long story short with that, they actually ended up scamming all of us and running off to El Salvador. Oh, wow. Oh, <laughs> yeah, no. That's a, that's a whole nother slow story. <laughs> wow. About that one time. Um, but that was actually all in the midst of when I met my wife, um, Amy. Uh, she was a regular at the coffee shop. She did not like me at all. Not many people did when I was in the height of my drinking, um, which is understandable. Um, it took a little bit of coming around for her, but uh, we actually started living together. We started dating within, I think it was like two to three months after meeting each other. So I, I pulled on her heartstrings a little bit, I guess. And... Um, then we moved in together and that's when everything kind of flipped upside down with uh, the, the coffee shop being sold and they scammed us and ran off. So we were actually homeless. She moved in with me at their house and we were like, where the heck are we all, we both going to go now. So her family actually brought us in, her mom and dad brought us in and uh, let us live with them for about a year. I think it was until we finally got up on our feet and got our own place. Um, but it was in that year, about that year, year and a half, when just I was still drinking hard and partying hard. And I actually pulled Amy into a little bit of that lifestyle, which um, I kick myself all the time still for. I still work on the forgiveness aspect on my right. side, forgiving myself. Um, but she, uh, it was in that year and a half span that things got really bad. And I started getting just, I was not the same person. I was, every time I drank, I'd get angry and aggressive. And it was just, I became a spitting image of my, my dad. Isn't that amazing and, how things, we just, we model what we learn. Right. It's all. We don't like it. We try right. it. We copy it. Not, not to say that it was my dad's fault in any way, because it's not, you know, that's my choice. It was my right. choice pick up. But that's what you knew. That was your reality. Exactly. And that was the moment that I, you know, I realized like, look, this, I found myself waking up in my buddy Dave's camper one morning. I didn't know how I got there. I didn't know what had happened. And then I find out that I had actually gotten into a huge argument with Amy's family and things went sideways and found myself homeless again, rock bottom. There's my rock bottom moment. 
And I spent the next, the next month just working to the bone, getting my, my, myself straight and, you know, talking with her family and pleading with them and apologizing and everything. And by some grace, they gave me a second chance. And here I am today now just being able to say that thank you to them for giving me that second chance. Right. Sometimes that's really, and now I, I see why they say that. Sometimes that's that's really all anybody with addiction needs is we just need that second chance to really right. show and, you that we can. And sometimes a third and a fourth and right. It's not a, it's not an easy journey. I know exactly. other people that have been in your situation a lot older and with a lot more at stake in life. Not that you weren't that ended up homeless. Right. Um, because of addiction. It's a and it's a disease. It's a scary disease. And society feeds it very well. There's somebody I know my niece follows that does a blog about she's um, stopped drinking. And it's interesting, you know, you have your extreme young doing tons and just partying nonstop to a lot of women, not to categorize, but I know that just come home from work. It's been a stressful day to have a drink and it's a bottle of wine and then it's an issue. So this person has a blog and she talks about how society makes drinking okay. And it's part of society. Like, let's go out to dinner and have a drink. Let's go to a winery. Let's go listen to music and have a drink. It's been a hard day. Today is St. Patrick's Day. When we're recording this, you know. I, I literally said to my wife last night, I said, look, St. Patrick's Day is like the day that everyone is just okay with drinking all day long. And yeah. no one says anything about it. <laughs> no. And so, I mean, it's so prevalent that that's accepted, you know. Right. That, and if you don't drink, people are like, what's wrong with you? Um, I, I get it all the time. Like, the point, you, especially people my age. Like, I yeah. have... I have very few friends my age. Most of my friend circle are people 40 and above. Right. Because it's like kids, my people my age, they're just like, they don't want to hang out with me because no, I don't They drink. don't think life can be fun if you're not drunk. <laughs> right. And I know people like that. Like, you know, I'm, I will say I drink, a, I don't drink a lot, but I drink, but I'm like, right. I'm good with one good cocktail and I'm done. Like, uh -huh. I don't like the feeling of, not being in control and, and i love the i mean i will go out and enjoy a drink or two but i just I'm recently one found this gonna... whole slew of non-alcoholic beers i didn't oh, even yeah. know, i didn't even know that was a thing and there's i'm a bunch just of like, non-alcoholic wow. beers and there's a bunch of mock mocktails there's right. a bar I, that's just open in dc it's just a mocktail bar so when i we we came up um my first band show this year was at uh capitol ale house the richmond music hall Okay. Um, this year in January. And we came up there and I actually tried my first non-alcoholic beer at Capitol Ale House. And it was like mind blowing. I was like, wow, I actually can like, you know, walk around the bar and people not give me funny looks. And I still am not actually drinking alcohol. This is really cool. I was like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's a funny story about that. So they've had non-alcoholic beers for years and years and years. And I was with a friend one day and he was drinking way too much. And so he went to the restroom and I told the bartender to start giving non-alcoholic beer. He had no idea. But going back <laughs> to the society and how it's so normal to talk about drinking, my youngest sister has Down syndrome. Doesn't drink. Never really. I mean, she's had a few sips here and there. But it'll be interesting. She's 40 now. And it'll be 
she'll go, oh, I had a hard day or it's happy hour. Or, I need a, and she'll go, I need a drink. I'm like, you know, she just hears that modeled. And so she's not that she's ever going to have one, but that's her, what she right. says. Uh-huh. Interesting. Um, so when did you start playing music? Oh man, music Amy, for me. Was Amy is a musician when you met her? Or did she? Amy is a musician. Yes. So okay. she, uh, her, her, her whole family are musicians. Um, they're okay. really heavy into bluegrass music. They, when I met Amy, she was playing with with her family. I actually kind of stole stole their bass player a little bit. Um, <laughs> sorry, Ricky. Um, but uh, <laughs> they were playing in a family band. They have an amazing family bluegrass band that they've done for years. Um, Ricky's been playing music his whole life since he was 11 I think is when he won his first mandolin competition oh, wow. um but for me music started when I was I was in fifth grade and my school did a Greece musical and I was one of the Greece boys in that and we we performed that and then right after that or that was fourth grade and then fifth grade my the, one of the cafeteria ladies invited me to the summer program down at uh, the church, the local church in Huddleston uh, for their uh, musical program that they were putting on. And uh, that was when I kind of fell in love with the whole like performing, um, uh, the performing arts um, mm -hmm. thing was a very young age. And I got on stage with them and I just really, I really fell in love with it. So I, I stuck with it. I started learning guitar when I was 10 years old. Um, I had gotten A's, straight A's on my report card. And this is one of those good memories that I have mm -hmm. from my childhood. Yeah. I got straight A's on my report card and my mom said, all right, well, here's a hundred dollars. You can go buy whatever you want. So we went to the pawn shop in Bedford and it was this really old beat up New York pro off brand classical guitar. Didn't even have all strings on it. And I was like, that's what I want. I want that guitar right there. And it was a $75 guitar and I bought it, put new strings on it. And my mom got me lessons and I took lessons for about a month, learned like pretty much the bass chords and everything. And just kind of took it from there myself. And um, I started picking in the church band uh, down at Huddleston. I was the praise and worship leader with for them for a while. Um, and then throughout middle school and high school is when I, I started jamming with buddies and stuff uh, outside of school. And um, then throughout high school is when I did all the musicals and I was really big in choir. Um, I did district choir and all state choir and I did honors choir my senior year. I was ranked first in the state for tenor one and tenor two um, my junior and senior year. So that was really cool. I have those medals still hanging in my room. Wow. Um, and then everything just kind of fell off for me after that. That was when I started drinking a lot and I lost my passion for music until I met my, my wife and her family. And they, I just think it was the universe, man. They, the universe was bringing me right back into music and they knew what I needed. And you know, now I'm, going on my fourth year sober and it's because of the Ellis family that I got back into music. I remember every morning waking up um, with Amy at her parents' house when we were living with her parents and every morning I'd wake up and I'd hear Ricky downstairs playing a banjo or a mandolin or a guitar or, or something. I'd hear him playing some kind of instrument and I had to go down and I had to play with him. Aww. So that was just kind of, you know, the universe pulling me right back into it and I'm forever forever in debt to them for 
just bringing me in and getting me back on my feet. Yeah, great story. And I, you know, I've kind of followed you on social media, um, seeing you down there. And I know you and Amy just got married mm -hmm. last year. Yep, um, in October last year. Yeah. Yeah. Did you get married on Dave's dock or it was originally? No, we were originally going to get married on Dave's dock, but okay. that was right in the middle of Hurricane Ian. Okay. Um, so Hurricane Ian happened and we were like frantically like, what are we going to do? <laughs> <laughs> the, week, the week of the wedding actually i say we as if it was both of us it was me freaking out <laughs> amy was actually calm as could be she was like it's okay we're gonna we're gonna be fine because my drummer uh for the band for christian q in the groove um john his family actually is it's now open um but they own old town social house in rocky mount virginia Okay. Um, that just recently opened up. And at the time when we were getting married, they were like in the process of getting it all, you know, finalized the building and um, getting everything set up to get ready to open in the new year. And they were just like, look, we've got this space. It's got a bunch of old vintage furniture. Um, you can totally decorate it out for your whole wedding. If you want to, you can use it. Here you go. And they saved the whole wedding day. Wow. <laughs> So it was, it, it turned out great. Um, yeah, I and then, we, then we it went to Okotoke Island. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's cool. So, and I love that it sounds like, you know, you were adopted and went some rough times, but the community really helped establish who you are. Yeah. Um, I know mm -hmm. you're very close with Dave Owens and. Um, if it wasn't, man, if it wasn't for that man, I. I wouldn't be out in the music scene. Yeah. And I, I remember going years ago, we would, my friend and I would take the boat and he knew and another friend, several friends knew Dave. And I remember many a day sitting at the dock, him playing and just jamming. It's funny. My friends that, um, some friends that live at the lake, they're like, yeah, they started doing this music on the dock because of COVID. I'm like, Oh no, 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 no. We oh, no. <laughs> and my friend's condo was at Bernard. And we could uh -huh. be sitting on the balcony. Yeah, goes, you yes. can hear it. That's well, what we not love. Here. Well, we could hear, but he would say, oh, Dave's doors are open. We should go over there. They're playing. They're getting ready to jam. Like, we, he could see across the lake if the door was open to the boathouse. Well, I can promise you now you can hear it. Oh, absolutely. So, <laughs> Labor Day, and I love that you guys do the concerts. So, this is kind of fun. If anybody's listening or watching and you spend time at Smith Mountain Lake, they do. Are you still going to do it this year? The concert? Yes, ma'am. We got three. Sure. We were actually talking about it this morning. It's so uh, funny to bring so it up. So much fun. So Memorial Day, Labor Day, and Fourth of July, the Sunday of those holiday weekends, yep. they jam on the dock at yep. Dave's house. And right past marker R eight. Okay, I don't, I don't <laughs> know where. I just know where it is on the lake. Well, it's if funny, you're a lake person, you know what that means. Okay, so I had a friend of mine last year that was there staying at Bernard's and we were texting back and forth and I know she's into music. I'm like, Oh, you got to go. If you're around, take your boat over there. And she went, and she's like, this is the coolest thing. But there were probably two, 300 people, boats everywhere. We pulled up and Hannah and her friends, which I remember Hannah when she was a little girl, yeah. um, Hannah and the jello shots, but we were there, I guess, Labor Day and left before you guys were done and went back to the dock and we were across near Bernard's and docked the boat. And I'm like, we can hear them all good over here. Than over there. So yeah, so that's a fun thing. So, but I love, you know, Dave is definitely the father figure and I've watched him, definitely. you know, watched your story with him. And, um, you know, we need those 
We need people to guide us when we don't have okay. our own um, parents or role models. That's right. So um, I know you've got a bright future ahead of you. Lots of great things. So anything you would share to encourage somebody else to be courageous? Just be yourself. That's one thing I've learned most important. And especially, I don't know, I've done, a, like I said, I've done a lot of soul searching in the last, really in the last six months. I'm almost on the verge of tears because I've spent a lot of time in the last six months to a year, just really searching myself and diving back into my childhood memories. And, and it's taken a lot for me to realize I'm 26 years old and I had no idea who I was until now. And sorry. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> it's a journey and it takes courage. Whoops. I lost him. Uh-oh. Hopefully we can get him back in here. Hold on. All right. So I'm going to kill some time here. So Kristen got a little choked up and left my screen. Um, we've been having lots of technology issues. So I will hope he comes back on. Um, but meantime, we're almost done. So that's good. But I always try to tie this back to my dad. Now, of course, Christian never met my dad. Um, but his story is has a lot of similarities and a lot of um, coincidences. Like my dad grew up in California, moved to the East Coast. And I can say that. But I think the biggest thing is not tying Christian but tying Christian's life that um, my dad was one of those people. It sounds like Dave Owens was to Christian. And my dad helped a lot of people that were struggling to help them turn their life around. He was the father figure. I know I have friends that say they had more conversations with my father than they ever did their own father. And so I think that ties in my dad to my dad so much that, yeah, Christian, it took a village and he's only 26. He has such a big life ahead of him, such a journey ahead of him. Um, so sorry, he got off. I know he's having internet issues. So, um, but as I said, we're almost done. So I'm going to finish up now. Um, we may have a second recording I'll add as an addendum to this if he comes back in. But I want to thank Christian for being my guest, for being open and sharing his story. Um, and I hope this gives other people hope. And if you are struggling or know somebody struggling to get help and there's a better life. And if you're on the journey for music and you, you know, be you and do what makes you happy and you can make a difference and touch people's life. So Christian does have a song that he wrote um, <clears throat> that is about his journey and becoming sober. And so I can share that too in the show notes. Um, so thanks again for listening. Um, I'm excited. This is our second um, year as a podcast and it's been excited to hear Christian's story. Um, please encourage somebody else to listen. Um, we're on all the platforms, iTunes, Spotify, like us, review us if you wouldn't mind. Um, check out the website and um, yeah, thanks for being a listener of Why Not Today and just say, why not today? Anything is possible. All right. Thanks again, Christian. And um, it was a great episode. Bye.